This is day 58 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing 2 Samuel chapters 19 through 23. Lord Heavenly Father, we praise your name. We lift you up high in our hearts and our minds as you deserve to be. Lord, please humble us this morning that you would cause us to recognize the void between you and us, that you are so far greater than us, so mighty, so wise, so powerful, that we should have the proper posture every time we address you. Please humble us. Please cause us to be very low in your presence, that we have room for instruction, that we have room for your love and for your will in our lives. Please override our hearts. Please cause us to be softened by your presence, that we can show love and mercy and grace to those who need it. Please help us to love you, to help us to love each other, and to love our enemies. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Then it was told Joab, Behold, the king is weeping and mourns for Absalom. The victory that day was turned to mourning for all the people, for the people heard it said that day, The king is grieved for his son. So the people went by stealth into the city that day, as people who are humiliated steal away when they flee in battle. The king covered his face and cried out with a loud voice, O oh, my son Absalom, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son, then Joab came into the house to the king and said, Today you have covered with shame the faces of all your servants, who today have saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives and the lives of your concubines, by loving those who hate you and by hating those who love you. For you have shown today that princes and servants are nothing to you, for I know this day that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Now therefore arise, go out and speak kindly to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, surely not a man will pass the night with you. And this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. So the king arose and sat in the gate. When they told all the people, saying, Behold, the king is sitting in the gate. Then all the people came before the king. Now Israel had fled, each to his tent. All the people were quarreling throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king delivered us from the hand of our enemies and saved us from the hand of the Philistines. But now... He has fled out of the land from Absalom. However, Absalom, whom he anointed over us, has died in battle. Now then, why are you silent about bringing the king back? Then King David sent to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, saying, Speak to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the last to bring the king back to his house? since the word of all Israel has come to the king, even to his house. You are my brothers. You are my bone and my flesh. Why then should you be the last to bring in the king? Say to Amasa, Are you not my bone and my flesh? May God do so to me and more also, if you will not com be commander of the army before me continually in place of Joab. Thus he turned the hearts of all the men of Judah as one man, so that they sent word to the king, saying, Return, you and all your servants. The king then returned and came as far as the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal in order to go to meet the king, to bring the king across the Jordan. Then Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, who was from Bahurim, hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, with Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, 
and his fifteen sons and his twenty servants with him, and they rushed to the Jordan before the king. Then they kept crossing the ford to bring over the king's household, and to do what was good in his sight. And Shimei the son of Gera fell down before the king as he was about to cross the Jordan. So he said to the king, Let not my lord consider me guilty, nor remember what your servant did wrong on the day when my lord the king came out of Jerusalem, so that the king would take it to heart. For your servant knows that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I have come today, the first of all the house of Joseph, to go down to meet my lord the king. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said, Should not Shimei be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? David then said, What have I to do with you, O sons of Zeruiah, that you should this day be an adversary to me? Should any man be put to death in Israel today? For do I not know that I am king over Israel today? The king said to Shimei, You shall not die. Thus the king swore to him. Then Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And he had neither cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes, from the day the king departed until the day he came home in peace. It was when he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? So he answered, O oh, my lord the king, my servant deceived me, for your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I may ride on it and go with the king, because your servant is lame. Moreover, he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your sight. For all my father's household was nothing but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. What right do I have yet that I should complain any more to the king? So the king said to him, why do you still speak of your affairs? I have decided you and Ziba shall divide the land. Mephibosheth said to the king, Let him even take it all, since my lord the king has come safely to his own house. Now Barzillai the Gileadite had come down from Rogalim, and he went on to the Jordan with the king to escort him over the Jordan. Now Barzillai was very old, being eighty years old, and he had sustained the king while he stayed at Mahanaim, for he was a very great man. The king said to Barzillai, You cross over with me, and I will sustain you in Jerusalem with me. But Barzillai said to the king, How long have I yet to live, that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am now eighty years old. Can I distinguish between good and bad? Or can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Or can I hear any more the voice of singing men and women? Why then should your servant be an added burden to my lord the king? Your servant would merely cross over the Jordan with the king. Why should the king compensate me with this reward? Please, let your servant return, that I may die in my own city, next to the grave of my father and my mother. However, here is your servant, Chimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king, and do for him what is good in your sight. The king answered, Chimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what is good in your sight. And whatever you require of me, I will do for you. All the people crossed over the Jordan, and the king crossed too. The king then kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his place. Now the king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him. 
And all the people of Judah, and also half the people of Israel, accompanied the king. And behold, all the men of Israel came to the king, and said to the king, Why had our brothers, the men of Judah, stolen you away, and brought the king and his household, and all David's men with him, over the Jordan? Then all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is a close relative to us. Why then are you angry about this matter? Have we eaten at all at the king's expense? Or has anything been taken from us? But the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten parts in the king. Therefore, we also have more claim on David than you. Why then did you treat us with contempt? Was it not our advice first to bring back our king? Yet the words of the men of Judah were harsher than the words of the men of Israel. Now, a worthless fellow happened to be there whose name was Shabbat, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew the trumpet and said, We have no portion in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tents, O Israel. So all the men of Israel withdrew from following David and followed Shabbat, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah remained steadfast to their king, from the Jordan even to Jerusalem. Then David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women, the concubines whom he had left to keep the house, and placed them under guard, and provided them with sustenance, but did not go into them. So they were shut up until the day of their death, living as widows. Then the king said to Amasa, Call out the men of Judah for me within three days, and be present here yourself. So Amasa went to call out the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which he had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, now Shabbat, the son of Bichri, will do us more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him, so that he does not find for himself fortified cities and escape from our sight. So Joab's men went out after him, along with the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the mighty men. And they went out from Jerusalem to pursue Shabbat, the son of, Zik of Bichri. When they were at the large stone which is in Gibeon, Amasa came to meet him. Now Joab was dressed in his military attire, and over it was a belt with a sword in its sheath fastened at his waist. And as he went forward, it fell out. Joab said to Amasa, Is it well with you, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard and with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa was not on guard against the sword which was in Joab's hand. So he struck him in the belly with it, and poured out his inward parts on the ground, and did not strike him again, and he died. Then Joab and Abishai his brother pursued Shabbat the son of Bichri. Now there stood by him one of Joab's young men, and said, Whoever favors Joab, and whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. But Amasa lay wallowing in his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the man saw that all the people stood still, he removed Amasa from the highway into the field, and threw a garment over him when he saw that everyone who came by him stood still. As soon as he was removed from the highway, all the men passed on after Joab to pursue Shabbat, the son of Bichri. Now he went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel, even Beth Meachah, and all the Barites, and they were gathered together and also went after him. They came and besieged him at Abel Beth Meachah and they cast up a siege ramp against the city, and it stood by the rampart, and all the people who were in with Joab were wreaking destruction 
in order to topple the wall. Then a wise woman called from the city, Hear, hear, please tell Joab, come here that I may speak with you. So he approached her, and the woman said, Are you Joab? And he answered, I am. Then she said to him, Listen to the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. Then she spoke, saying, Formerly they used to say, They will surely ask advice at Abel, and thus they ended the dispute. I am of those who are peaceable and faithful in Israel. You are seeking to destroy a city, even a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? Joab replied, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. Such is not the case. But a man from the hill country of Ephraim, Shabah, the son of Bichri by name, has lifted up his hand against King David. Only hand him over, and I will depart from the city. And the woman said to Joab, Behold, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman wisely came to all the people, and they cut off the head of Shabah, the son of Bichri, and threw it to Joab. So he blew the trumpet, and they were dispersed from the city, each to his tent. Joab also returned to the king at Jerusalem. Now Joab was over the whole army of Israel, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and Adoram was over the forced labor, and Jehoshaphat the son of Ahilud was the recorder, and Shavah was the scribe, and Zadok and Abiathar were priests, and Ira the Jairite was also a priest to David. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David sought the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, It is for Saul and his bloody house, because he put the Gibeonites to death. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the sons of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the sons of Israel made a covenant with them. But Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the sons of Israel and Judah. Thus David said to the Gibeonites, What should I do for you? And how can I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? Then the Gibeonites said to him, We have no concern of silver or gold with Saul or his house, nor is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, I will do for you whatever you say. So they said to the king, The man who consumed us and who planned to exterminate us from remaining within any border of Israel, let seven men from his sons be given to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the oath of the Lord which was between them, between David and Saul's son Jonathan. So the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, Armoni and Mephibosheth, whom she had borne to Saul, and the five sons of Merab, the daughter of Saul, whom she had borne to Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Maholathite. Then he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the mountain before the Lord, so that the seven of them fell together. And they were put to death in the first days of harvest at the beginning of barley harvest. And Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock, from the beginning of harvest until it rained on them from the sky. And she allowed neither the birds of the sky to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. When it was told David what Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, had done, then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, 
from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the open square of Beth-shan, where the Philistines had hanged them on the day the Philistines struck down Saul in Gilboa. He brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son in the country of Benjamin in Zalah, in the grave of Kish his father. Thus they did all that the king commanded, and after that God was moved by prayer for the land. Now when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David went down and his servants with him, and as they fought against the Philistines, David became weary. Then Ishbi Benob, who was among the descendants of the giant, the weight of whose spear was three hundred shekels of bronze in weight, was girded with a new sword, and he intended to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, helped him, and struck the Philistine, and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out again with us to battle, so that you do not extinguish the lamp of Israel. Now it came about after this that there was war again with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hushathite, struck down Saph, who was among the descendants of the giant. There was war with the Philistines again at Gob, and Elhanan, the son of Jireh-Oregim, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. There was war at Gath again, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and he also had been born to the giant. When he defied Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. And David spoke the words of this song to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you have saved me from violence. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of Sheol surrounded me, the snares of death confronted me, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry for help came into his ears. Then the earth shook and quaked, and the foundations of heaven were trembling and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up out of his nostrils, fire from his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with thick darkness under his feet. And he rode on a cherub and flew, and he appeared on the wings of the wind. And he made darkness canopies around him, a mass of waters, thick clouds of the sky. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows, and scattered them, lightning, and he routed them. Then the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were laid bare by the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me forth into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me.
The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of my Lord, and have not acted wickedly against my God. For all his ordinances were before me, and as for all his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless toward him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness before his eyes. With the kind, you show yourself kind. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the pure, you show yourself pure. And with the perverted, you show yourself astute. And you save an afflicted people, but your eyes are on the haughty whom you abase. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord illumines my darkness. For by you I can run upon a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock besides our God? God is my strong fortress, and he sets the blameless in his way. He makes my feet like hind's feet, and sets me on my high places. He trains my hands for battle, so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your help makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them, and I did not turn back until they were consumed. And I have devoured them and shattered them, so that they did not rise, and they fell under my feet. For you have girded me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also made my enemies turn their backs to me, and I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I pulverized them as the dust of the earth. I crushed and stamped them as the mire of the streets. You have also delivered me from the contentions of my people. You have kept me as head of the nations, a people whom I have not known serve me. Foreigners pretend obedience to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. Foreigners lose heart and come trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be God, the rock of my salvation. The God who executes vengeance for me and brings down peoples under me, who also brings me out from my enemies, you even lift me above those who rise up against me. You rescue me from the violent man. Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations, and I will sing praises to your name. He is a tower of deliverance to his king, and shows loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Now these are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, declares. The man who is raised on high declares. The anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men righteously, who rules in the fear of God is as the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, when the tender grass springs out of the earth, through sunshine after rain. Truly is not my house so with God, for he has made an everlasting covenant with me, ordered in all things and secured. For all my salvation and all my desire, will he not indeed make it grow? But the worthless... Every one of them will be thrust away like thorns, because they cannot be taken in hand. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron 
and the shaft of a spear, and they will be completely burned with fire in their place. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb, Bathsheba, a Tekemanite, chief of the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because of 800 slain by him at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahathite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there to battle, and the men of Israel had withdrawn. He arose and struck the Philistines until his hand was weary and clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to strip the slain. Now after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, a Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered into a troop where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot, defended it, and struck the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. And then three of the thirty chief men went down and came to David in the harvest time to the cave of Adullam, while the troop of the Philistines was camping in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, while the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. David had a craving and said, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gates. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief of the thirty. And he swung his spear against three hundred and killed them, and had a name as well as the three. He was most honored of the thirty. Therefore, he became their commander. However, he did not attain to the three. Then Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man at Kebzeel, who had done mighty deeds, killed the two sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion in the middle of a pit on a snowy day. He killed an Egyptian, an impressive man, now the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a club and snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, did, and had a name as well as the three mighty men. He was honored among the thirty, but he did not attain to the three. And David appointed him over his guard. Asahel, the brother of Joab, was among the thirty. Elhanan, the son of Dodo, the, of Bethlehem. Shammah, the Herodite. Elika, the Herodite. Helez, the Paltite. Ira, the son of Ikesh, the Tekoite. Abiezer, the Anathathite. Mebunai, the Hushathite. Zalman, the Ahohite. Maharai, the Netophathite. Caleb, the son of Baana, the Netophathite. Etai, the son of Ribai, of Gibeah, of the sons of Benjamin. Benaiah, a Pirathonite. Hedai, of the brook of Gaash. Abi Alban, the Arbathite. Asmaveth, the Barhumite. Eliaba, the Shealbanite, the son of Jashan, Jonathan. Shammah the Hararite, Ahiam the son of Sharar the Ararite, Eliphalet the son of Ahasbai, the son of Amaekathite, Eliam the son of Ahithophel the Gilanite, Hezrov the Carmelite, 
Peari the Arbite, Egal the son of Nathan of Zobah, Bani the Gadite, Zelak the Ammonite, Naharai the Berothite, armor-bearers of Joab the son of Zeruiah, Ira the Ithrite, Gareb the Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite, thirty-seven in all. So it seems that the sorrow of David carried on into chapter 19, where he was still mourning for his son, which you can understand that, of course. Now, Joab was trying to knock some sense into David, because at this point, he was doing absolutely nothing. And his grief was going to cause bigger problems if he didn't get his act together. And so Joab gave him some good advice. He was harsh with him, but he needed to hear it. And with that, he, was, he responded well. If he didn't do anything, then it could have caused political disaster. They would have seen David as weak or an ineffective leader. And we have this story about this one guy who tried to stand up to David and curse him behind his back. And that's when they went to pursue him and put him to death. But it could have been a lot worse if he hadn't done anything. So Joab did a really good thing here in getting the king to get his act together and do what he needed to do in order to get back to Jerusalem and rule over the kingdom again. Now, he didn't necessarily like what Joab said, but he did it. And he was... You could tell that David was getting kind of tired of, of Joab, especially with all the contention between them and just his inability to follow direct orders sometimes. So he replaced Joab with Amasa, who was the commander of Absalom's army, as a form of discipline and a, you know to replace him for what he did. Then you see this man Shimei, who was cursing David when he fled from Jerusalem and he is asking for forgiveness, and, and then there's that little argument about between Mephibosheth and Ziba about who was right and you know reputations and so on and so forth, but they got that all figured out. And then he offered Barzillai to come to Jerusalem and to stay with him until he died to take care of him as a re repayment for all the good things he did to him while he was fleeing from Absalom, but he didn't want it. He was like, I'm old. I just want to stay with my family. I want to die in my house. But you could take Chimham, which apparently was his son. Didn't doesn't really say, but um, he was given the, the hospitality of Barzillai in place of him. So this went to Chimham instead. And then you see that there's still some contentions and how quickly they turn their back on David. They turn to an argument saying, well, you know, why didn't you tell us about what's going on with David? Well, because the people of Judah are close to him. as close, We're closer relatives to him. So we are just handling our own business. Why are you angry about it? And then the other tribes of Israel, the ten, are like, well, we have ten parts of the king. So we are closer than that. And they're just going bickering back and forth, back and forth. And they said that, oh, there's 10 parts of us and we're closer to the king. But then literally chapter 20 comes along and there's this guy named Shaba who blew a trumpet and was saying all this stuff. And look how quickly they ran away from David. How quickly they abandoned this man that they were apparently so close to, right? So he sent Amasa out to go deal with him. But Amasa apparently was not a great leader because he was tasked with going to get this man and it said that he delayed. So he was basically allowing this guy to get away. And it could have been a lot worse. So Joab was going to do something in order to regain his lost office, his position in the military. So he acted like his sword was innocently falling out of his sheath. And as he went down to pick it up, 
And Lost is like, hey, you all right? And then he's like, oh, yeah, boom. Just stabbed him right there. Took back his position. Now, <laughs> that's one way to do it. I don't know what David thought about it, because it doesn't really say, but I would have had a problem with that. I mean, he's still showing how cunning and how great of a leader he is, no doubt, but where is his heart at? And that's that's the thing that really gets me about Joab, is where was his heart all of this time? Why did he do what he did? Because many times he argued with David, he disagreed with David, he acted annoyed with David because he, he sees David as some sort of entitled brat. I don't know. But he treats David roughly throughout their interactions. Most of the time he is obedient, and he does exactly what David says. But you can just see that in his heart there's something still there that doesn't settle well with me. So I don't know what it is, but he fought and he got his position back. And then they end up getting that guy and, and killing him after he spoke with uh, that wise woman who gave up this guy because they were wise in what they did. Now, apparently in chapter 21, there was a famine going on because something was left unsettled. David recognized that this famine was divine because it said that the famine went on for three years and David sought the presence of the Lord. And so this is when he, the Lord said, it is for Saul and his bloody house because he put the Gibeonites to death. So God had given a famine in the land because this had been left unsettled. So David asked these Gibeonites what they would accept as settlement for any injustice that was done to them in, by Saul's hand. And they said, well, give us seven people from Saul's family to kill, and we'll leave it at that. And so that was the justice they wanted, and David said, okay, you can have them. The only one that he did not give up was Mephibosheth, the young man who was lame in both of his feet, the son of Jonathan, because he made that promise to Jonathan that he would spare his family, that he would allow his family line to continue. But then David did something merciful for the family. He got all their bones together rather than letting them just be hanged and died dishonorably, he still honored their family tradition because of this concubine that acted this particular way. And you could see David's compassion here. So he gathered, I can imagine he unearthed the bones of Saul and Jonathan and then buried them with their father Kish at their family grave and therefore properly honored that family and put it to rest. And that's the last time that we see anything to do with Saul's family when it comes to chronological things. We will come into the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles, and we may see something about them, but it'll be a flashback. It'll be more of a reference to them. But chronologically, this is the end of the legacy of Saul. And then we see in the end of chapter 21 that there were several more fights going on with the Philistines. Those Philistines just don't give up. And David was getting weary. I guess he's getting old. And so he was no longer going to be participating on the battlefield. He decided to stay back and they told him to. We don't want the light of Israel to be extinguished. You need to stay alive, David. So he stayed back and managed things from a distance, it seems. But we do see that there are some big men still in, in the Philistine army. Some more giants, including some with six fingers and six toes. Some big boys. And then you don't really see many giants, if any, after this. Because it appears that the genetic line of giants seems to disappear, as if this is one of the only bastions of giants left in the world. Quite possibly. So you don't really see too many giants after this, if any. Because perhaps these were the last of the true giants left in the whole world. We don't know, but it would make sense. Then you see this Song of David. The Song of David is so beautiful. 
And it reminds you of all his psalms that he wrote, right? Some of them seem like they are pieces of psalms from different places, but this is a completely separate piece of literature. This is not the same as the psalms. But he knows the Lord so well, you can just tell he understands how God works. And bear in mind, this is in a time where there was no Bible. They had the law of Moses, no doubt. But beyond that, they did not have any Bible. They didn't have the, the prophets because they hadn't come onto the scene yet. They didn't have the Psalms because he was writing them. He didn't have the New Testament because Jesus hadn't come yet. And yet, despite all that, he knew the Lord and he relied on him. What about us? What's our excuse? We are the most prepared out of anyone in the entire human history to be successful Christians. Why? Because we have the complete work of God, the Bible. We have the full authority of Scripture in our very hands, and it's not that hard to get. Back then, they would have to transcribe entire scrolls, the entire written law by hand, onto a papyrus scroll. But we have Bibles that you can just go to a store and just pick one up. And it's the complete work of God. Thousands of years of literal history in our laps. Not to mention, Christianity has been around for about 2,000 years because of the time of Jesus. It was about 2,000 years ago. And since then, we have 2,000 years of wisdom and experience and martyrdom and lessons to learn from history that our ancestors went through or taught or teaching us through exposition of scripture, etc. What is our excuse? How is it David can do this and we can't? Is it a matter of skill? Is it a matter of ability? No, it's a matter of the heart. And that is why David is always going to be called the man after God's own heart, because he understood the Lord. The Lord gave him a special ability to have that intimacy with the Lord. But it's not something that can be foreign to us. It doesn't have to be foreign to us. We can be that too, if we seek the Lord while he may be found. He understood and showed reverence to the Lord in this song. Now, to be clear, we have to understand that the language used in here to describe God's attributes are not literal, okay? So, it's like saying that God covers you with his wings. God doesn't literally have wings. It says that he blasts breath out of his nostrils. Fire comes out of his nostrils. He doesn't have nostrils. He holds you with your his righteous right hand. He doesn't have literal hands. Remember, God is a spirit. Spirits don't have bodies. He could make a body for himself if he wanted to. And by extension, he kind of did with Jesus. But just understand that this is poetic language being used here. This is to help to describe God in a way that we can relate with and that we can understand. Don't take it literally, okay? This is just showing the attributes of God in a way that our mortal minds can wrap around because he is not able to be fully understood because of how great and how mighty and awesome he is far above or, or anything we can imagine. But we try our best. And that's why I think God puts poetic people, puts artistic people that think deeply. And they have that special ability to communicate things that your average person cannot. They, they feel more deeply. They think more deeply. They understand more deeply. And we need those people. Certainly. Musicians and artists and poets. We need those people because... They help us to be in touch with our humanity and to understand us better, but also to understand the Lord better. Wouldn't you say we have more understanding of God when singing certain hymns or by reading a specific book by a, a certain person that 
understood the scripture better than us, if they were inspired by God. Those things exist because God uses those as tools for us. The Bible should be the primary, ultimate source of all things. But God allows other people to help explain things to us, and that's fine. I just love his love letter to God. It's so beautiful. The Lord illumines my darkness. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock besides our God? And this is also where Paul gets the reference here for the shield of our salvation. You know, he starts seeing that language kind of like the armor of God. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be God, the rock of my salvation. I love it. It's awesome. And then you see in chapter 23, this isn't the literal last words of David, but this is the last formal words of David most likely when he spoke to the people. And, again, he spoke to them in a poem. That's what he does. He is called here in verse 1, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And that's a title he will hold forever. To this day, he's called that. And he existed over 3,000 years ago. How amazing is that? And what's very interesting here is that he claims... In verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. He is confirming that his writings, his psalms, anything that he's written is inspired by God. He's claiming that. That's why the psalms are in our Bible, because he is claiming that everything he said was inspired by the Lord. And then lastly, we have the Hall of Fame of David's mighty men, including, which you wouldn't think would be on here, but Uriah the Hittite is on here, the very last one on the list. So this is just showing, you know, his band of mighty men, the men who were the greatest of warriors, his elites, if you will, and just how powerful they were. And so they're just kind of like their hall of fame and having that on official record. And then we only have one more chapter left of 1 Samuel, and then we'll be entering into 1 Kings. And we'll start seeing who's going to be next in line for the throne. That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.